0: What's up? This is the you're not listening to this podcast. I'm your host, Will James. Now today is inauguration day, and that uh, has led to a lot of different feelings for different people. Uh, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say something, but I'm going to make this one quick—at least quick for me. So. I'm not going to fully flesh out everything I talk about here, so you're going to have to bear with me on that. Also, I know we're all tired of political debates, or I should say arguments, so (laughs) while I'm going to talk about politics a little, it will hopefully be in the most abstract of ways. I have no intention on talking about policy or party or, or any of that, but I think we should spend a little time contemplating what we've learned from this campaign season and beyond and why these arguments keep happening. What we should have learned, at the very least, is a a new keen awareness that our nation truly is one of many diverse perspectives. There are not two sides to every story. There are countless sides. Yet we fight because for some reason we navigate this labyrinth of ideas and perspectives with the language of a binary system. Left and right, Democrats and Republicans, fringe and mainstream, elites and deplorables, us versus them we're comfortable here but we're not convincing here it is how we've always done it and there's something warm and fuzzy in thinking that whatever it is i believe is not just what my whole tribe believes but everyone else is wrong in their singularly focused opposition of me this is why we're so quickly dismissive of others opinions We don't naturally look at each other's ideas as another layer of nuance in the tapestry. We dismiss nuance, and instead we only see adversaries. Further, and because of this, we constantly believe that we have heard your side before and already have the perfect retort before you finish speaking. We are all speaking, but we're not listening. Now, politics has shown a light on this diversity of ideas in a new way in very recent years, Obviously, a lot of things have become more visible in this campaign season on all sides, for better and for worse. Issues that many didn't know existed. Issues that many thought were dead, hoped were dead. This happens often, I imagine, but this time seemed different, and in in many ways it was. Many people found themselves stuck having to make choices they could hardly stomach themselves. Hate grew louder than love fear overshadowed logic. I'm not talking about the candidates, I'm, I'm talking about us. The peaceful transfer of power didn't quite feel that peaceful. Closest of friends of hard times looking each other in the eye, family dinners became awkward. A fever arose across the nation, a little hotter than we've ever seen. We definitely broke new ground with the individuals that ran a campaign, from President Trump's Teflon charisma and magnetism to Hillary Clinton's historic trailblazing at each stage of the process for women in the future, to Bernie Sanders recapturing the spirit of the younger generation, who are the future. But these are symptoms of change, they're not the cause. This is a new wave of dissonance, and I don't fault anyone involved for taking credit for it, but I think what really changed is our relationship with and access to information. Yes, we've had 24-hour news networks for a while. We've had the internet for a little bit now, too. The major networks have spawned so many channels, and they all have time slots to fill. Their web-based companies constantly require content, tweets, Instagram pics, shares, and likes. We've all found ourselves overwhelmed by the access, and at the same time find ourselves underwhelmed by the information itself. It's too biased, or too narrow. It's it's too conservative. It's too liberal. Predictably, the rise in, in access to information hasn't equated to any more trust in the veracity of that information. Just Google American trust in media, and you'll see result after result with headlines using words like, sinks to a new low, or lowest uh, level in history. Again, this shouldn't have been surprising. Content providers at all levels are also constricted by the binary narrative. But the internet has provided new avenues to disseminate other perspectives. There's blogs and podcasts, Twitter. Any idea is a fair game, and those ideas are everywhere. Information is everywhere, anytime. So now it's the news that's trying to keep up with us. And the lines have blurred. Truth versus intrigue. Thorough investigation versus deadlines, informing versus alarming. Opinion and fact have become interchangeable. The biggest determinant of what information we're going to receive is what will go viral, not what is true. There's what we need to know versus what we want to see. There's educating the electorate versus entertaining the masses. There's providing accurate, detailed information versus breaking news first. And the fault lies everywhere. They don't want to get scooped, and we don't want to wait, and often we don't want to think or feel. We all say we want change, but none of us wants to be changed. But as the informational landscape was changing and access evolved from a political standpoint, society evolved too. Particularly, I believe this is true of we Americans in our 30s right now. I don't know how it was where you come from, but I remember as a kid who couldn't wait to grow up, I hung out with and or eavesdropped on the old people as much as possible. I remember it being completely taboo to talk about politics or who you voted for or who you wouldn't vote for. You could complain about how high taxes were from a purely economic standpoint, but that was pretty much it. Only crazy people put stickers on their cars or wore buttons, t-shirts, and hats. But then here we came. We're the first generation to develop our values publicly, whether they be the cementing of those handed to us by our parents and their parents before them, our neighborhoods, communities, and cultures, or or whether we did the work of forging new values for ourselves, though largely informed by those same sources. We've chosen to do it publicly because we've chosen to do it digitally. We are the generation that has chosen to live out loud. We're individuals and we want everyone to know all about our eclectic tastes and cuisine our knowledge of craft beers all the vices we adore the ones we abstain from what makes us laugh what makes us cry our favorite books movies pastimes who our candidates are and don't get me wrong I i love this change we shouldn't be hiding with facebook twitter and everything that came before them We were in our adolescence attracted to the bright flashing screens, where the kids social media was made for, but are so afraid to give our own kids access to. We are the guinea pigs. One of the unintended outcomes of this experiment is that in a time where politics became more and more personal, and by that I mean focused on individuals, our personal opinions on policy became more public. Through the photos, quotes, links, and likes, we gladly define ourselves in this new digital world. Whether we did this intentionally or in short sight, we've painted a portrait of who we are or who we think we should be, what we believe in and what we don't, what we will accept from and for those around us, and what we won't. In the abstract, this portrait is destined to be beautiful. A mosaic of human individuality can be no other thing. Additionally, the digital world should be more level and equitable than the real one. What, <laughs> what we, as the general public, care about should be what moves the national discussion. Politics, community, religion, economics, whatever, moves with the will of the people. But it's showing itself a facade. Our individualism is a mask over our self-centered tribalism. We hide our real truths just like everyone before us has. As a result, instead of a true national discussion about anything, where this individualism inside our communal self could shine, our national conversations are consistently shallow. Real debate, real change, real unity could be mined here. The process would be painful, and perhaps this is part of the process. However, we don't express our individual perspectives. We don't really choose what will matter. Instead, we choose our preferred spin about what we've been told matters. We adopt ideas instead of espousing them. In this way, we can perceive ourselves as expressing individualism while keeping our true emotional selves safe and protected from ridicule. We hide in our ignorance to save face, even at the expense of our fellow citizens. No, we don't set the conversation. We react to it. We're told what to talk about and who or what is important, who and what isn't. And where I'm not naive of the many benefits that small, powerful groups might obtain from distracting and setting the conversation they want, personal experience causes me to greatly doubt that the population at large wants anything with much depth. It's not a coincidence that the most taboo topics are the ones we supposedly hold the strongest beliefs about. We refuse to entertain new ideas that might make us feel. In fact, we think feeling is a weakness. We established hard, fast rules without mechanisms to deal with the reality of exceptions to those rules, or flaws in those rules. We refuse to have our beliefs changed, and we fooled ourselves into thinking that this is actually a virtue. Shame on us. We may be more willing to get into a political debate than generations before, But all we tend to do is parrot the dumbed-down ideas the talking heads on our preferred channels and websites spouted the night before. How many of these discussions become defensive arguments because we haven't truly thought enough about the topics to develop our own language around them? Our feelings about things are easily chased to a pattern of trends we've chosen, the safety of blending in. We sit in this magnificent space and time where we could develop our own ethos and find unique ways to express those opinions. I mean, I'm just a guy with a computer and microphones, but mostly it seems we're satisfied to just pick a side, attach ourselves to another's rationale instead of cultivating our own. We'd rather fit in than stick out. And as a result, we substitute biased twists of an idea for the diversity of ideas at our disposal. Instead of valuing truth, we value entertainment or tradition, and then not just how we access information but the information itself. The value of entertainment sheds light on the rise of the sensational far-end sources of news, both left and right. Tradition explains why party lines rarely change, even when the parties themselves fundamentally do. So we trade in our new sense of individualism to sort ourselves back into the groups of us and them. We took this chance to double down in our commitments to tribes. We blindly believe not only what our group says about itself, but also what it says about other groups. We believe the worst about each other to not deal with the worst in ourselves. We cannot trust you to look past your biases, so we cannot afford to look past our own. We've compromised ourselves. Perhaps this is why we are so inclined to attract ourselves to negative narratives about people that are not like us or at least don't think like us. I don't have to address my prioritizing myself over you or or dismissing your needs and concerns if I'm already convinced that you're undeserving, immoral, unfit, etc. I need not worry about the plank in my eye as long as the splinter remains in yours. But it is undeniable that some have dropped the facade, disrobed and discarded their camouflage, allowed themselves to be exposed and vulnerable. Now, these stereotypes and narratives are are losing viability as these brave souls continue to live out loud and be supported out loud. Ask yourself, are your values and beliefs the same as your neighbor or colleague that voted the way you did? Are they similar to your neighbor or colleague that voted the other way? Are you in complete disbelief by the things they've said or been able to dismiss? Do people think this about you? We speak in extremes, but do we really believe in them? Is that sustainable? Why are you and your ideas normal? Why are mine Don't you think that people whom we might categorize as not being normal answer those questions the same way we do? How and why is that? Even if we could divine a model for normal based on some set of diagnostics culled from extensive qualitative and quantitative research, a reasonable person's test, or held even the simple smell test, how diverse then are our motivations behind our normal behavior? Is it instinct, tradition? Religion? Secularism? Money? Revenge? Fear? Within these motivations, how diverse are our reactions to them? How much love and charity, hatred, and bigotry has been shown by groups of people motivated by the same God? How much of these same characteristics been exhibited by groups that deny there even is one? What about everyone in between? How hard is it to tell the difference between these groups on Monday? The time and place has come where we must realize that there is no us in them, and until we figure that out, there will barely be an us at all. But it's also the time to realize that our differences don't divide us, they enrich us. It's an interesting time to be alive, and perhaps our most critical. Not because we're the first to see this, no. Nothing's new under the sun. What we should be is the group of generations mature enough not to dismiss it, to pretend no longer. Now I know we don't like shoulds anymore, but let's at least move past the assumption that most people think like me and the rest are these small insignificant groups on the fringes. There is no most and the rest are neither small nor insignificant. We are one nation, but we are the many. We're messy. We're all over the place. It's what we are. And this is why we're beautiful. And we've got to stop forgetting that. We must stop trying to force our fellow citizens into our boxes. And when someone won't fit, we must stop forcing them into the other box. We saw too much of that this past year and none of us were comfortable with it. We've now seen the spectrum and what has been seen cannot be unseen. So keep speaking, but listen, really listen. Be confident enough to be wrong. Be wise enough to accept it. Be vulnerable enough to love challenge and be challenged. Don't settle for tradition. Forge a new one. Don't confuse uniformity with unity. Embrace nuance. Embrace debate. I don't know what tomorrow looks like. No one does or can, but today I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful because I suspect that many of you have felt the tensions I have and you agree with me. Many of you have looked inside and out and you see the beginnings of real change. You feel it incremental maybe, but tectonic. We've been told before that our differences and divisions aren't as black as white as anyone has believed, but now we've seen it for ourselves. We know it now. Yet I also know that not everyone shares this hope. For many, it feels like everybody's losing their way and minds if only just a little bit. We hit these landmarks that come with age and experience We increase our level of investment in the world at large and our intimate communities. Our friendships deepen, jobs become careers. We settle down and start families. All of a sudden, we're forced to start paying attention to things around us, and we're frightened at all that appears to be new. But things aren't what we thought, so we must find something or someone to blame, some cause for how we've gone too far and lost the path. But let me let you in on a little secret. It always feels like that. Every generation feels this way. This is just our continuation of the eternal cycle. Many things are changing in the world around us, but the biggest and brightest change is and will be us. The country is not falling apart. Well, not much more than it did for generations past. No. Instead, you, we, are waking up. Good morning. Let's start getting it right today. I love you, even though I don't know you. This has been the You're Not Listening to this podcast. I'm Will James, and this is BJ the Chicago Kid. The sun's still shining bright. And the moon still glows in Holy